0: Welcome to Nutritionista, the official podcast about all aspects of nutrition, with an in-depth view into women's health. We focus on nutrition for every stage of life, as well as body liberation, healthy eating at every size, eating to nourish and fuel your bodies, and working through health challenges with education and inspiration. We'll help you to walk away from the diet culture and understand the biochemical mechanisms behind disease and illness. Your hosts are Megan Hayes and Rani McCudden. Megan is an award-winning clinical nutritionist, biochemist, personal trainer and postpartum doula with a masters in both women's health medicine and reproductive medicine. With 12 years of experience teaching, training, and supporting women and their families, her passion lies within the field of hormonal health, menstruation, fertility, birth control, and pregnancy, whilst empowering and supporting women through postpartum and beyond. Rani McCudden is a chef and nutritionist from the Central Coast, New South Wales. She has an advanced diploma in nutritional medicine and is in her final year of a Bachelor of Clinical Nutrition. She also holds a diploma of practice management and is a physio-based Pilates instructor. She is passionate about sharing her love and creativity with food as well as the importance of nutrition with her clients. She also runs a small hobby farm and leads a paddock-to-plate approach to life. Join us here weekly to talk to other specialists and wellbeing advocates in the fields of women's and family health, parenting, fitness and wellbeing. All from the comfort of your own home, car or wherever in the world you may be. We're thrilled to share this time with you.
1: the Unpacking Allergies mini-series. My name is Rani McCudden and I'm joined here with the amazing Megan Hayes. Um, We're bringing you this podcast where we're going to discuss allergies and how to manage everything from a diagnosis to a treatment. From what an allergy is, how our body responds and why and what you can do right from pregnancy to assist with the management of food allergies. Our first topic on this subject is our own personal journey and why this topic is so close to the heart of both of us as clinical nutritionists
2: yes thank you so much for that intro there rani and i want to thank everyone for joining us today firstly we had such an overwhelming response from our very first podcast episode and we're so grateful for those who left a review for us on apple podcasts uh i don't know about you rani but i was absolutely pooping my pants so i'm so glad that it came across well anyway
1: (laughs) i yeah i was just saying like yeah as i mentioned to you before i think i should have a glass
2: of wine before. as riley mentioned just before today we're going to discuss allergies and their management but first i think it's really important to connect with you all and discuss our own personal journeys Um, for those that don't know me personally, anyway, I'll give a little bit of a rundown on mine. So my experience with intolerances and allergies began with my eldest son, Baden, who's almost 18 now, feeling really old today. Um, he had really severe eczema when he was only a few months old. I think from memory, it kicked in around four to five months. Coincidentally, that's when he began on formula. but being a really young mum, I was 19 at the time, I wasn't half as wise as I am now and didn't link the two, the dairy and the eczema until he was a little bit older. I also didn't think at the time there were many other options for him to drink. Therefore, most GPs generally just pass me around saying, "Oh, try this steroid cream and bleach baths and I don't want to get Started on why I dislike the use of steroid creams so much right now and bleach baths in themselves, so I'll just leave that there. Basically, as he got older, we managed to reduce his exposure to dairy and he got much better. In that experience for him, there it was really important to stress that he was absolutely not anaphylactic to dairy, it was just an intolerance. As a older teenager now, he's also very much more aware that he does have limits on dairy intake too. So one too many ice creams in summer would honestly give him a really bad tummy ache. And his skin, he won't break out in eczema so much now, but he will begin to get itchy and dry, kind of the precursor towards eczema. And that's been the common symptom for all of my four children basically to date. So we're a pretty low dairy intake household. It's in the house, but I guess like them, I don't really like the taste of it either. So we're all pretty low and we all know our limits with dairy. And aside from that, my second child, Saxon, he's what, 14, nearly 15 now too, once again, feeling old. My experience with his allergy began when he was around, I guess, the age of eight. It wasn't until then, as a family, we started spending a lot of time away with friends in Bright. And every single time we were there without fail, he'd disappear with his friends and go and explore the forest, which was right next door to where we stay. Um, Typical kids, they'd roam free, start clubs and build forts, BMX tracks, just kids really being kids. And I loved it. But each and every time, he'd reappear in a few hours looking for food, as they do. And he'd re-emerge from that forest looking terrible. His eyes were kind of swollen and watery. They kind of got eczema like really dry skin. Mm. And a few times, like, they were almost closed shut. They were that swollen with the amount of swelling he had. And sometimes, I remember he'd even wheeze, like he was mid asthma attack which is weird because none of our kids had asthma at all Um, even though he'd never had an asthma attack himself in the past he'd always send me into a mad panic when that would happen but he would just stress he was totally fine just feed me I'm hungry and he just needed to get back to his friends so all in all a typical boy so I'd managed to give him a dose of antihistamines thinking it was just a reaction to like the local pollen and it would generally remove the wheeze within 30 minutes and his eyes would generally calm down after a few hours and then i'd let him escape and play again so i wasn't the most popular parent then um i was the worst mum in his eyes and like clockwork the next day he'd kind of wake up covered in eczema he generally looked much better otherwise but he i could just tell he was scratching behind the knees and the elbows you know those general places but this went on for so many years and the few times like it kind of, I felt it got out of control. We visited the GP. I think I was actually early uni days, to be honest too. And the local GP just kept saying, just give him antihistamines and he'll grow out of it. There's nothing that we can relate to food after asking, you know, the standard questions and kind of push us out of the office. In hindsight, totally crappy advice. Um, I think it went on for one too many times, and obviously, being nutritionists as we are, I decided to just get him tested one day. I thought, enough's enough. Um, so, we got some bloods done and sent them off. And turns out it wasn't the pollen link as I was guessing. He actually has a really severe ryegrass allergy. So, the test results were borderline anaphylaxis which was essentially like really, really scary stuff. So it often goes with the trusting your gut kind of instinct too. So I'm really, really glad I did. Um, So that's obviously a dietary allergy at the same time too. Like rye bread is really popular as well. So funnily enough, he would eat that every now and then, obviously not relating the two, but without that in his diet and keeping away from that, we've managed to kind of keep that at bay for now. So every time we'd go back to Bright and he'd get on his bike and disappear into that forest again, the underlying mechanism here that was his IgE antibodies, so the immunoglobulin, (laughs) it's always a tongue (laughs) twister, immunoglobulin E antibodies, which is basically the part of his body's immune system that would bind to the ryegrass pollen that he'd either breathe in or touch or somehow make contact with. Basically, on the receptor of his mast cells or his basophils, that's what would trigger the flood of release of histamine, Mm. which are the pro-inflammatory chemicals. So anything pro-inflammatory, obviously increasing inflammation response. So it explains his wheezing, the inflammation of the skin, like the heat and the redness and the general Mm. puffiness. Mm. On paper, it would almost warrant the use of an EpiPen, But in our reality, an antihistamine generally got it under control really well. Obviously, I'd keep him away from it for the next day as in the forest. Once again, not always the most popular parent. But generally, nowadays, we follow a therapeutic kind of nutrition protocol of a low histamine diet kind of in the lead up going up to there. So therefore, his histamine levels were kept low and generally he's a teenage boy he's not always eating the best or having the healthiest lifestyle that's generally when he'd become a little bit more inflamed and reactionary so keeping that low level of any low level of histamine before we go up there is generally how we keep it under control for him so he just needs to be aware of staying away from brownish breads or at least asking what's in those breads um and yeah that's how we keep that underwrap for him.
1: Wow, Megan, that must have been so scary. I know many of our listeners probably suffer. They can sympathise yeah. in spring with pollen allergies. Mm-hmm. I know I suffer terribly as well as cats. <laughs> they yep. cause my face to just go up in hives. Um, yes. So I think we've got many people sympathizing with you there and it must yep. be so sort of scary as well to go through something like that.
2: Exactly.
1: So my personal journey with allergies starts with my daughter Lola. Um, my little Lola Mary, who turned eight last week is anaphylactic to both egg and dairy. Um, we noticed right from when she was born, she just seemed to have like this, I don't know, an unknown allergy. I had no idea as I had no idea about nutrition at the time I was working in HR. Um, but she always had like eczema, a rash or hives, like constantly right from, I think the day we brought her home, but little did we know then that that was the beginning of her contact reactions. Yeah. Okay. Um, I remember a family member kissed her on her forehead and she broke out in these horrible hives and welts when she was only a few weeks old. Um, And because she'd had a coffee beforehand and then obviously there was some milk residue left on her lips and then the contact caused her to break out in hives. Um, Yeah, so her immune system had already identified milk back then, so early on, as a potential threat. Without even ingesting it, Um, it was basically just this contact exposure. Um, after her first try of milk, by the way, of formula, when I was going back to work, she was projectile vomiting, covered in hives, so we tried goat's milk formula. Yeah. Thought that might be better. Um, but she had a very similar reaction. So she was put on a prescription formula until we could work out what the main issue was. Um, it was so overwhelming as a mother because I felt so helpless. Oh. I had anxiety. I'd lost my milk already from stress. And it was yeah. just one of the most
2: stressful periods of my life I think oh babe yeah I, t- I totally yeah that's totally normal to feel that way but it's and, and so hard with babies too obviously they're also different anyway but a few of mine yeah. too when they come out of hospital remember those first few days yeah. and weeks they end up a bit splotchy and their skins a bit dry anyway so it's it is hard to distinguish if there's something more sinister yeah. going on or if it's just them I think maybe two of mine had great skin during that period and the other two were a bit they yeah. look like prickly pears you know? <laughs> yeah it's like <laughs> but yeah and their skin is so easily crossed barrier contamination wise in terms of yeah allergies so yeah it's no surprise so many mums i see that come to me in clinic to feel in the exact same boat when they get that initial diagnosis so they often have no idea what to do next They honestly feel really overwhelmed and sometimes they that overwhelmed can kind of come from not having enough time with the immunologist at the hospital
0: yeah
2: and yeah I've been told before they only had 10 minutes with them and then like you were saying before obviously your appointments are a little bit more intense so they go for 30 to 45 minutes It can be really overwhelming, especially when so much information is pushed to you at one kind of time. So you do need that time to take that all in. But I guess as nutritionists for us, clinical nutritionists, that's where we come in for that extended clinical support.
1: Yeah, definitely. So when we started her on solids at about six months old, that's kind of when it confirmed she was in fact allergic to egg as well as dairy. Um, she had that similar reaction with the projectile vomiting, or as my son said, because he was in the back <laughs> of the car, she's good like a <laughs> Um So that was her first reaction to egg, um, and she was about 12 months old then as well, so It was baked egg, not even actual egg. So, um, obviously, cooking the egg denatures the protein. Yeah, yeah, so the first time she had just egg on its own, her whole face swelled up. She was gasping for air. Yes, She had asthma. She was covered in hives. So, we knew then it was potentially life-threatened because we kind of had the same reaction with milk. Wow. Um, Yeah, so... It was really scary during her first year she was having all these idiopathic reactions um, due to histamine sensitivity i yeah. remember like when i first had her diagnosis i left the very cumbersome pediatrician's office after receiving that formal diagnosis um he basically handed me a referral for an immunologist a script for an EpiPen and I just walked out of the office having to deal with the rest of it on my own not knowing god what do I do how do I feed my daughter where wow. where do we go from here when
2: they gave you the EpiPen did they put you through EpiPen like training or was it just kind of here you go the instructions are on it off you go
1: well yeah so he showed me a demonstration EpiPen okay. and you know it's sort of Blue to the sky, orange to the thigh. So, like, you just, you're in there for such a short amount of time and you just, you're overwhelmed. You're yeah. emotional, you feel, like, you just, there's no idea of what's going to happen, I guess, in the future because it is, you know, so scary and overwhelming. especially being diagnosed with multiple anaphylaxis yeah. as well. Um, God, I stayed in my car after that appointment and just cried and cried and I still get really emotional Aww. to about But, like... You just, you're like, what do you do? What do I feed? It's just, it's so overwhelming. So that day was the day I decided to study nutrition because I needed to know how to feed her and what to do. And yeah, just navigate this life
2: yeah oh you still get upset about it i know yeah. but you're doing a great job and she's an awesome child and she's got the very best oh. care essentially she? i've kept her alive
1: for eight years
2: <laughs> <laughs> you've done great and she's thriving oh. and so cute so I know. no i guess that's why so many of us kind of end up studying complementary medicine or medicine in itself because there's such yeah. a gap in the market for practitioners that kind of not only are educated in it but kind of have that personal understanding at the same time too, so you can kind of hold their hand a little bit more to take them through the journey.
1: Yeah, you empathise with your patients because you've been through it and you know exactly how they feel because they're scared, they're overwhelmed and they're vulnerable.
2: Yeah, of course.
1: You know, she's just so resilient and such a strong little girl, you know, having to endure not only going through the reaction herself, but just not being able to eat normal food, missing out on so much. But, you know, we, we do make up for it. Like, I was a chef. That was my first job when I sort of left high school. And um, I started navigating how to substitute foods, um, you know, and I guess it took me a good two years to master that challenge of reading every single label, and every single product you buy. Because it's a lot. Yeah. I noticed, yeah, you buy it one week and the next week they've changed the recipe and the ingredients mm-hmm. list and what was egg free last time now contains egg. Yeah. Um, we're so lucky, though, she's got an amazing immunologist, Dr. Sam Meir, who has helped guide us through this whole ordeal. Um, she's failed every food challenge. Um, her last appointment, she was still recording large results with a skin prick test. So it looks like for us, um, she's not going to outgrow her egg and dairy allergies. Yeah. So this is kind of. I guess, our life now, unfortunately. Yeah, her journey. Okay. I guess, yeah, in
2: in saying that, I think I read the other day, the most recent research and data on that was that anaphylaxis is the most severe form, obviously, of an allergic reaction that we know that's life-threatening. Yeah. It was saying that... In, estimated one in every 100 school-aged children have anaphylaxis and those stats kind of blew my mind so I know for us our little rural school has about 300 Mm -hmm. students so on average that would be three kids I actually think there might be a little more than that at our school from memory yeah whilst for example my boys high school it's a much larger school so that's obviously I think close to a thousand students which is, I guess, the state average for student capacity numbers. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's averaging 10 students per school. So it's it's a lot. And especially with primary school age children, they don't actually really understand what's going on themselves, let alone, yeah, not being able to touch certain things or share birthday cake or anything. So with the right planning and training, like anaphylaxis can be treated effectively, but it's much more... Easier, I guess, to stay on top of once they reach that secondary school age where they're a little bit more easier to do on their own.
1: Um, Like I know having a daughter with anaphylaxis has taught me you can never, ever put your guard down around food. Um, It's something that so many people and myself completely took for granted before Lola was diagnosed with her allergies. And it just has a follow-on effect. Like I developed anxiety myself based on the burden that what you have to go through every single day to make sure that your child isn't exposed to these allergies you know it's yeah. um you try so hard as a parent to protect them and to give them a normal life but you just you never ever know when they're going to be exposed, especially at school like the, with the exposure like you know who's eating what next to you so yeah. it's isolating you know for the kids but um like even a few weeks ago I had to pull Lola out of the car and administer her EpiPen on the side of the road because a vegan product that she ate on the way um, obviously had a cross-contamination sort of reaction and, like, honestly, it was it was scary having to administer mm-hmm. an EpiPen on a freeway and then wait for an ambulance and then to go through the process because they can then have a, another reaction. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in four hours but you know like it's the hardest journey but like I just I can't believe I was chosen for this because I feel like you know it's made Lola who she is it's made me who I am and without that diagnosis I would never have started this journey to become a nutritionist and help educate other parents with my experience and journey with allergies oh
2: I love the story I don't love the situation but I love the story entirely and yeah totally sympathize with parents like yourselves like anaphylaxis is big and I think so many people too if you don't know someone with it or know your story for example it's so easy for people to pick on allergies like oh I can't believe we can't have peanut butter this is such a nanny state what's the world come to so it's I think yeah sharing stories like that with everybody is the best way to get that information out there and just to prove just how life-threatening it can be
1: Yeah. And scary for the parent, you know, like I completely sympathize now with other parents, you know, that have allergies because you you know what they're going through. It's, it's hard and you don't, as a parent, have a support network to deal with it. It's hard enough not knowing what to do when you first start the journey, but then it's like, well, who supports me? No one.
2: Yeah, exactly. So these are our stories. Thank you so much for listening today. What we're going to follow on with next in the Unpacking Allergies series is food allergies. We're going to focus on what is a food allergy. We've got so much awesome information there to follow on from this. So please join us soon. Have a great day. Thank you so much for joining us today. We really hope that you each got something valuable out of this episode and we can't wait to hear what you think of it. Please, please make sure you hit subscribe in the Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts, so you can listen to the latest episodes that we release weekly. As we're totally independent with this podcast, we really do rely on your subscriptions, reviews, and your shares to spread the word. If you have any questions, please join our Facebook group. It's totally free, and we love getting into conversations with you all there all you need to do is search for Nutritionista Community. If you want to read our blogs or would like to continue your health and wellness journeys with us, you can visit myself at www.nutritionista.com.au and you can see Rani over at www.cutrockcottage.com.au Until then, see you next time.